I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Bonnie Richardson. I'd like to ask all of you a favor. Today, when you pray, I ask that you would remember my wife in your prayers. Friday, she had retinal surgery on her left eye. In that surgery, they ironed out a crease in her retina and placed a gaseous bubble in her eye to hold everything in place. Well, Saturday, about noon, she began having headaches, portions of migraines, causing nausea and vomiting throughout the rest of the day and through the night. Yesterday on Father's Day, I called her physician, her surgeon, into his office, took her to his office, where she received two more injections, and plus another needle to retract some of the gas from that bubble that was placed in her eye on Friday. The intraocular pressures had just grown too great. So when you pray today, I would appreciate it if you would hold her up in prayer. It would mean a lot to me. But today, Monday, June 19, 2023, at sunset, begins Rosh Kodesh Tammuz. Simply put, it is the beginning of the fourth month as the spring months in God's ecclesiastical calendar have ended and the summer months begin. Put another way, one season is ending and another is beginning. That's how time works. Before something can begin... Something old has to come to an end. If you've been following The Watchman Speaks since its beginning in January of this year, you'll recall how I've laid out the preparatory work to understanding God's time and how God works in His seasons. You'll recall how we reconfirm our covenant with Christ in the month of Nisan at Passover and celebrate the first fruits of Christ, as Christ is the first fruits of the dead. Most Christians have not even heard of the first fruits, much less know what it is. Then we march forward into the month of Iyar and advance into three of the covenant names of God Yahweh Rapha, God is my healer, in Exodus 15. Yahweh Yara, God provides, in Exodus 16. And finally, Yahweh Nisi, God is my banner, in Exodus 17. From there, we moved into the third month of Sewan, which brings about the Feast of Weeks and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Just so to show you what that looks like when you've prepared yourself in Nisan and ER, consider that my nephew and his pastor have baptized 40 people in a drug rehab facility this month. How many is your church baptized this month? That's how God works in his time and in his seasons. If you missed those episodes, go back and listen to them. It will improve your understanding of God's times, his seasons, and how he works in his time and seasons. But today, we are moving into the fourth month, or the month of Tammuz. 
Tammuz is not mentioned by name as a month in the Bible. The only mentioning of Tammuz in the Bible can be found in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 14. Then he brought me to the entrance of the Lord's house which was toward the north. And behold, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Who is Tammuz? Well, Tammuz was a Mesopotamian deity or god attested from the 3rd to the 1st millennial B.C. Earlier literature focuses on his marriage to Ishtar, or Ashtoreth, as she is known in the Bible. Tammuz was presented as a young man who died early. In some cultures, he was killed by a wild boar. In others, he was murdered by his lover Ishtar, who rebelled against the other gods in rage, even against Baal. Even the goddess of the underworld, to resurrect Tammuz. In Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 14, the women weeping for Tammuz or in support of Ishtar or Ashtoreth or her rebellion and rage to bring Tammuz back from the dead. But God continues and tells Ezekiel, greater abominations than these will you see. The entirety of chapter 8 in Ezekiel are visions of abominations that Ezekiel was being shown by God, abominations within the temple itself. Having said that, those same abominations manifest within the modern church who is willing to compromise. In Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 16, it reads, So he brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they were prostrating themselves eastward toward the sun. Now this indicates a worship of the sun, which introduces a third player, Baal. This indicates worship of the sun, which introduces a third player, Baal, into the Let's Make Abominations game. Tammuz was the second player. So who was the first player? As it seems, at this moment, it is safe to assume that anything or anyone associated with Tammuz is an abomination. But Ezekiel 8, verse 5 reads, Then he said to me, Son of man, raise your eyes now to the north. So I fixed my eyes to the north. And behold, to the north of the altar gate was this idol of jealousy at the entrance. For this is all within the temple. So who or what was that idol? Who or what is the idol of jealousy? Well, that would be Ishtar, or Ashtoreth herself, as she is known in the Bible. What was this idol jealous of? The worship of those towards God instead of her and her counterparts? But mostly jealousy because of the worship towards others instead of her. What Ezekiel saw was a cultic pole in Ashtoreth, or of Ashtoreth, who, by the way, was the driving spirit entity behind the evil queen Jezebel. It is the same goddess in which gay pride and transgenderism is deeply rooted. It is the same entity driving Jezebel spoken of as a warning to the church at Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. But this I have against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray 
so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. There's the same wicked spirit manifesting some 5,000 years from the ancient of days into the church of its infancy into modern times. One who kills and fights with rage when she does not have her way. The fourth month, the month of Tammuz, falls mostly in part in the month of June. What is June? It's Gay Pride Month. Is there any wonder why? Well, it could be that Judah spent 70 years in captivity in Babylon. A new generation was born there. And that been natural for them to pick up the language and some of the customs in the country in which they were held in exile. However, none of the current names of the Jewish calendar are mentioned in the Bible until after the end of the Babylonian captivity of Judah or during the very latter stages. According to Jeremiah chapter 39 verse 2, In the eleventh year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth month, in the ninth day of the month, the city wall was breached. Jeremiah 52 verse 6 reads, on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. It might be that the fourth month was named Tammuz in remembrance of Ezekiel's visions of abominations. For with these abominations, they brought Babylon crashing down upon Judah. Ezekiel gives the account in Ezekiel 1.1 on how the fifth day of the fourth month in the thirtieth year the visions of God began to manifest in him. Historically, from a biblical perspective, the fourth month was not always a happy month. The two things that kept Judah and Israel in hot water with God was the worship of idols and sexual immorality brought about by worshiping those idols. It is recorded and documented time after time. You know what? Even the golden calf made its debut during the fourth month. The fourth month has traditionally been a sad month, but it doesn't have to be. This is a month to guard your heart, your eyes, and ears. Take into consideration Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28, which read, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today. The curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I am commanding you today by following other gods which you have not known. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 19, which read, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity, so that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering, possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. 
you will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death and blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. That's a mouthful. You should go read that sometime. The fourth month of Tammuz is a month to worship God diligently. Or you may find yourself submitting to a golden calf. In the previous months, we have rededicated our lives, stood and claimed three covenant names of God, and basked in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Don't let up now. Persevere. Move forward. The tribe of Reuben is associated with the month of Tammuz. The tribe of Reuben was the fourth tribe moved out behind Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon. They were camped to the south with the tribes of Simeon and Gad. Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob and Leah. Genesis 29, verse 32, reads, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now thereon my husband will love me. Reuben had a bit of a sad story. It's a story that we can all relate to in some way or other. In Genesis chapter 35, verses 22, Reuben's sin of adultery is recorded with Bilhah, Rachel's maid, who is also Jacob's concubine. But his sin was not just one of immorality, but his inability to control his passions under pressure. I will point out that this was prior to the law of Moses, but it was still a serious transgression. The passage continues that Jacob heard of it. Nothing else was ever mentioned. However, it must have been considered a serious transgression since Jacob removed Reuben's right as firstborn and transferred the firstborn rights to Joseph. Was this a foreshadowing of the ruination of Israel and Judah to come in their immoral acts? However, Reuben, although he messed up, and he messed up badly, does have redemptive qualities. If anyone had a reason or motive to see harm come to Joseph, it was Reuben. But Reuben was one who dissuaded his brothers from killing Joseph and talked them instead into throwing Joseph into a pit. Scripture tells us that Reuben intended to rescue Joseph and restore him to his father. Reuben had learned that there were consequences for sin. When the brothers went to Egypt to buy grain and were arrested, Reuben reminded them of their sin against Joseph. Reuben stepped up to the plate, and although he no longer had the rights of the firstborn, he acted like the firstborn. Instead of wallowing in self-pity and becoming resentful and spiteful, he learned and demonstrated the fruits of repentance and how he lived the rest of his life. We could all learn a valuable lesson from Reuben. When Moses blessed Reuben, there was no mentioning of his sin from the past. Moses blessed Reuben and that he would live and not die and that his men would not be few. Does any of this sound familiar? Reuben and Gad took the land east of the Jordan River. Yet they identified with the nation of Israel and fought to acquire Canaan. The tribe of Reuben fought the dwellers of their land, and God gave them victory as he gave Moses victory over the Amalekites when they were attacked 
in Exodus 17. However, Reuben was one of the first tribes to turn away from God and go into captivity, going full circle in Reuben's prior sin. Now, by this time, I suppose many of you are thinking, as I am while I write this, what does all this mean to us? Well, I can tell you what it means to me. I look into the scriptures and I look back on my life. I recall all the idols that I've worshipped in my life, all the hobbies that took precedence over everything or everyone else, including home and family. I wasted a lot of years chasing idols that I thought would make me happy. I enjoyed them for a time, but soon enough the thrill and the joys were worn off, and I'd sell everything at a huge loss when I hit a time of need. Those who bought those things from me knew that I was in a time of need and practically stole much of what I had, knowing that they were going to sell it elsewhere for three, four times more than what they gave me for it. And that's okay. I've forgiven them. That's what I signed up for when I chose to worship those idols. I think about all the money that I've wasted on fancy guns, boats, hunting, fishing, golf, RV campers, and other pastimes that were just that. Something to pass time. Or better yet, waste time. I think about all that time that I wasted that will never produce anything that will last. Most of four decades, my life was a waste. I thought that I was saved, but you couldn't tell it by the way I acted or the way that I spoke or the thoughts that I allowed to enter into my mind. I'd merely tap my hat to Jesus and wink as I'd go by on to the next thing that would cause me to miss his mark. Did you know that that's what sin is? Sin is an ancient archery term meaning to miss the mark. Most of the time, I wasn't even shooting in the same arena that the mark was to be found. Oh, but one day, one day, I had a very real encounter with Jesus. In that moment, I was changed. In that moment, I found peace. When you have an encounter with Jesus, things change. When the Holy Spirit of the living God truly dwells within you, and you surrender all, you'll be shaken like a rag doll. The truth is that I was no longer who I thought I was. If the truth be told, I wasn't sure of who or what I was. I just wanted God to use me to glorify his name. Years rolled by and I wasn't being used. I didn't know why, but now I know. You see, I had to grow a thick skin. I had to make tough decisions. And most of all, I had to learn how to follow one who is greater than I ever will be. I look into the scriptures and I look at my life today. I love one woman, period. The end. No further discussion. I thank God that I am by the power of his Holy Spirit able to simply say no to sexually immoral acts or thoughts. I thank God that I am able to set aside time that I once would have wasted and spend that time in worship, prayer, and meditation. Yes, I still work a full-time job. Yes, I have a lawn to mow and a house to maintain. 
Yes, I am a full-time husband and daddy. More importantly, I am a full-time believer. Now, I do acquire antique hand tools for woodworking, and I restore those tools and use them. However, it is not an everyday involvement. Many times, it's not an every-week involvement. If I can average two or three hours a week in my shop, that's a pretty good week. As I said earlier, the two things that kept Judah and Israel in hot water with God are worshiping idols and sexual immorality. I choose to negate those two things in my life, not because I have to, but because I want to. I choose to worship and pray. I choose to spend my time asking God what he wants to talk or write about. I am a watchman. I keep my eyes open. I issue warnings. That's what I do. It's not a popular calling, but it's my calling. I've been posting this podcast for almost 25 weeks, and in case you haven't noticed, I've not asked anyone for a dime. I could have a lot more followers, I suppose, if I conveyed a message like some of the more popular preachers or authors do today. I could make a lot more money, too. But I'm not interested in becoming popular or making a lot of money. I'm interested in this one thing. What did God say? Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 19 rings continuously in my ears. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. The blessing being life, the curse being death. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. That carries a lot of weight, people. I choose the blessing. I lived long enough with the curse. Tammuz is associated with Baal and Ishtar, Ashtoreth rather. Look around you, you can see those gods being manifested right here in the United States of America on a daily basis. Our schools are promoting it. Our government is promoting it. And heaven forbid, even the churches are promoting it. The idol and jealousy stands at the forefront screaming for her lost lover, Tammuz, rebellious even towards Baal. This month of Tammuz, you want to be certain that your worship shines brilliantly towards God. Or you may find yourself polishing a golden calf. Money and hobbies become idols of worship. Baals stand with the worship of money and possession. Ishtar and Tammuz stand with sexual immorality. Stop and think about it. The walls to the city of Jerusalem were breached in the fourth month. Not once, but twice. The temple was destroyed on the ninth day of the fifth month. Not once, but twice. I'll get to all that ne- later next month. The first time Judah went into exile for 70 years. The second time God scattered the nation for almost 1,900 years. And for what? Worshiping idols, sexual immorality. I am the old watchman Ezekiel. We are entering into the month of Tammuz. And you have been warned.
Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at the oldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.